the jam, pump it up while your feet are stumping. And the jam is pumping, look ahead, the crowd is jumping. Pump it up a little more, get the party going on the dance floor. See, cause that's where the party's at, and you find out if you do. Dog, Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and this is the 197th episode of Space Spinner 2000. A podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're taking a break from the weekly progs to once and once again venturing into the exciting world of special editions. In this case, the 1989 sci-fi special. We've seen these specials become a testing ground for new 2080 talent. And in some places, uh Featuring extra episodes of less essential thrills. And this special is for the fellas with every story featuring a female protagonist. <laughs> the price of the special has gone up to 80 pence. But I'm far more excited by my guest for this episode, the one and only Pete Wells. Welcome to the show, hey, sir. I'm naked. Oh, no. <laughs> so you might want to turn that Skype camera off, Conrad. Oh, geez. Listen, I've seen worse in my time. You know, <laughs> the terrifying future we have in 2000 AD. <laughs> That's not a pickle you can see. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show, Pete. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, you're, you're, I, I really you're, love this show. Oh, thank you. I, I know you're just an irrepressible 2000 AD fan. and I've loved some of the stuff you've created over the years. It's really fun. So it was really an honor for you to come on here, you know. <laughs> Well, it's a fabulous show, and will you give Fox a big kiss from me when you see him? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, listen. <laughs> like I, you know, we we rarely see each other, so we have to kind of get our get our emotions out when we can when we when we do <laughs> when we do make contact. Awesome. So before we get started, I thought I'd ask you, you know, just sort of um, how how you got into 2000 AD. What's your 2000 AD origin story? I guess. Right. Well, I'm one of those annoying prog oneers, <laughs> um, though I must admit. I can't really remember Prog 1. I remember Prog 2 All right. very, very clearly. Um, I remember the Biotronic stickers. Oh, nice. Um, and I remember putting them on my legs and running around the back garden and truly believing that I was running faster because I had these stickers <laughs> on my legs. Um, but me, me less, even less intelligent brother... Um, he put the stickers on his arms and thought it would be a good idea to punch the wall or a door or something. Oh, no. And he ended up um, with a trip to, to casualty. So it's it's a real, you know, a fond <laughs> memory. Um, <laughs> we were lucky enough, um, our mother worked in a news agent, so she used to bring lots of comics home. Oh, nice. But, but 2000 AD was always the favourite. Um, but I think in those early days, my brother was the 2000 AD boy, and I was kind of a wizard in chips or, or Beano or something. Um, and I used to sort of make fun of him for reading 2000 AD like he was some colossal nerd. But then, <laughs> but then when he wasn't there, I would absolutely devour it and love it. Um, and he, well, we're chatting a little bit before the show about you're about to steer into the, the 90s. Oh, yes. Um which lots of readers see as a, a dark time for, for 2080. But at, at that time, my brother left to go to university. Mm -hmm. um, so 2080 became mine. Ah. Uh, so I've got kind of rosy-tinted 
glasses of, of that time because it was so there was there was some dire strips, but they were my dire strips, so I wouldn't like them. God damn it! Sure. <laughs> um, so when people talk about the dark times of the nineties, I'm not as um, as disappointed with them because I've got that that strange rosy coloured view of it. Sure. Um, but yes, so I've loved it all my life. Um, but then when the internet came along. It was great because you could actually um, get in contact with the, those writers and artists that you you'd, you'd grown up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember when I when I was older and I started to work, um, I, I was given I'd wrote an article for a, a newspaper about something, and I w- was given a, a three hundred pound check that I, I wasn't expecting, and I thought, right, I can blow this on on pasties and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and things or I could actually do something with it um so I got in touch with Ian Gibson and got me first ever commission oh lovely uh, yeah and I just went mad in the in the getting commissions and buying artwork and from that um I remember I bought a, a cover a Henry Flint cover um which had dread and all of the bad guys in the, in the background. And when that cover was published, they'd published it with a real, like a pink wash over all of the bad guys, and you kind of didn't see them. And I thought, this needs to be seen. So I started this 2000 AD Covers Uncovered blog, um, which went absolutely massive. Um, and it's up to nearly a million views. Oh, wow. Uh, and that was lovely because that meant that I got to write and get in touch with all of the artists that that I love, um, and and have like real real conversations with them. And they would send us covers early, and and I would get to see things, um, secret things. Well, that's uh, amazing! Yeah, excellent. So that was lovely. So the good old internet sort of opened that door to to, to being friendly with the creators, and I, I class lots of them as as real friends now, not just people that I stalk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes, I've always, always loved it. Um, And also the, um, you know, when the forums came out, that was was an exciting time. So before the official 2000 AD forum, there was something called Alt Comics 2000 AD on the news groups. And that was like the first time in my life that I got to talk to, to fellow fans. Um, uh-huh. And that's quite exciting. Um, and so from that, made lots of lovely friends there. So it, it really has sort of influenced me friendship groups and me, me likes and everything. It's a, a fabulous product, and I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, I've met a bunch of people Yeah, through through both social media and the forums. It's been really amazing. I just meeting folks that, you know, we all have this, this connection of loving this comic. And I think it's really, yeah. it's a really great way to meet people and, you know, like have, really, have, have this common ground. It really, really is. It's great. Um, and in my job role now, um, I'm a, a special needs teacher by trade. Um, and I write a lot of stories for um, people with disabilities. And mm-hmm. writing those stories, you have to distill um, a story to its very essence. And I always say that the 2000 AD taught me how to do that. Um, oh, yeah. And, I- yeah. Particularly sort of John Wagner, who's the master of sort of brevity and, and concise storytelling. Um, that's, you know, I, I feel that, that what I do now is 
directly influenced by 2000 AD. So thank you, Mr. Thug. <laughs> That's all, that. That's awesome. I think that's really great. Yeah, I mean, so so much of the writing of 2000 AD is just getting these these big stories down to four pages an issue and be able to have a a beginning, a middle, and an end in that short period of time. I think it's yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting it it's it, it's very different style of writing than say American comics where everything is like 25 pages or so. You have just time to stretch out and get a lot of things going without having to worry about condensing that much. Yes, definitely. And then I think within this special that we're going to talk about, we do see some examples of that amazing, um, concise storytelling. And we also see at least one example of the opposite, <laughs> which, <laughs> which we'll get there. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask, did you um, did you read this special when it came out in 89? Do you, do you have any, any memories of it? Yes, I remember reading it. Um, we always saved the the summer specials and the sci fi specials for the car journeys, and we used <laughs> yeah. to have a a caravan on the back of the car. So, um, we'll have gone to some grotty caravan park somewhere, and I'll have read this <laughs> on the way. I definitely remember the cover because I really liked the cover, and I was sort of fourteen when this was out, and I think I was uh, the target audience for. Um, tyranny Rex and a pair of niggas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, just let be, be, before we get started, I want to talk about where we are in our in our Prague timeline. We've just finished Prague uh, six fifteen, going into this one. So, two thousand eighty has just celebrated its twelfth birthday. Uh, Judge Anderson is investigating Helios. Swifty's just returned. Johnny Alpha and Farrell are about to meet. Night Zero is about to conclude, and Judge Dredd has just met uh, Crazy Barry and Little Mo. <laughs> and like you say, yeah, this uh, this cover th- this special starts with a cover by Richard Dolan, who'd go on to do a couple covers in the uh, a Mean Machine story in the Prague. And yeah, it features uh, Tharg in like red swim trunks on a red beach, and he's surrounded by uh, Shauna McCullough from Zippy Couriers, Tyranny Rex, kind of in a bikini, and uh, Judge Corey, uh, who's who's bootless. They're all kind of <laughs> sipping wine and enjoying the sun, I guess. <laughs> um, it, it reminded me of um, there was a, a writing competition on the 2000 AD forums many years ago. Um, and there was, it used to have a monthly topic and you had to write, you had to write a 2000 AD character in a film. And I think I wrote um, Tyranny Rex in the crying game. so it was that very famous scene um but it was it was tyranny rex and i'm forgetting about that until i saw the cover of this special again buried it deep i think (laughs) Um, i really really loved richard dolan's work yeah it's 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 an interesting look like it's 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 got a very painter like it's it's very painted which is kind of unusual for this era of 2008 yeah yes um he did. So you, you, you're not up to it yet in, in the regular show, but when you do come up to that uh, Travels with Me Shrink right. main machine story, his artwork in there is fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Um, loads of little details in the background, loads of little gags to, to look at. Um, and it's, his characters are phenomenal. I, I'm sure you've already read it, but I won't. I won't spoil it. Um, but even his um, three of his characters are Larry Curley and more. <laughs> um, just and it's not referenced at all, but they're just in it all the way through. He's absolutely great. Um, I loved. He, he did a, 
one of my top ten favourite covers, which was Dread on – it was a Christmas cover, Dread on his uh, Lawmaster with little cherubs all mm-hmm. around him. Um, <laughs> and then I think a couple of years later he did another cover, which was Bring Back Christmas, and it was somebody had put a um, – a Santa hat and beard on the Statue of Judgment. <laughs> and I just wonder how the hell they managed to do that <laughs> without yeah. being seen. be quite a beard. <laughs> like, just getting it manufactured yeah. would, seem, would seem to be difficult, <laughs> you know? But it was all, it was a, a lovely cover. I loved his work, so I was I was happy to see it on the front of this. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a really fun cover, for sure. Um, then... Yep. The first page of the special has a big um, – a whole bunch of different characters. Like I think they're just sort of cut and pasted from various 2080 stories. And then the inside cover has an extremely wordy explanation of all those characters <laughs> just going in and doing things. It's yeah, like Tharg Tharg's sounding like like your, your granddad or an old <laughs> man at a disco. Um, did, you get, um, did you get them all? Did you get all the characters? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's sort of – I mean, as much as it's like there's a bunch of them and they all sort of seem pretty familiar to me, I think I had – the biggest problem I had was just that like uh, I think Tyranny Rex's tail wasn't quite in shot. So there was a second where it's like, wait, who's that? Like, oh, OK. I see yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did you get Thog's testicle in the in the bottom? Wait a minute. I No, that's the <laughs> – that's the cruel heart, buddy, or the cruel home world. Thank you very much. We talked about this. <laughs> uh, I, I wondered if it was uh, Magruder's testicle. From- oh, my. Listen, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she's she's mid-long walk now. You know, we don't have we don't have new – we're still like 100 progs away from yeah. new look Magruder, you know. It's going to be a whole thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but on the speaking of people's new looks, maybe let's get started with Thrill One Moon Runners. <laughs> oh, that's lovely to hear that for real. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so someone, someone's gonna 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 yell at me because it's not reverbed in the actual live recording. But you know, I always worry. Like, don't expose me. Um, <laughs> So, script robot for Moonrunners is Alan McKenzie as Sidney Falco, um, art robot, Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Gordon Robson as Kid. Yes. Um, <laughs> go on. Sorry. Oh, sorry. So, I should say uh, Sidney Falco, Alan McKenzie's uh, uh, nom de plume here is Tony Curtis's character from the movie Sweet Smell of Success. And this story is a prologue for the Moonrunners story that will start in Prague 641. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, I'd said to you again before we recorded, when I uh, when I dug this special out and looked at the contents page, I thought, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I really wasn't looking forward to, to rereading this. There was only kind of one strip that, that I was looking forward to revisiting. But um, I think I was pleasantly surprised by lots of the strips in it. Mm-hmm. So – Moon Runners itself. Um, I'm going to listen with interest when you and Fox talk about it because I can remember very, very little of what happened in it. Yeah. And I have quite an encyclopedic knowledge of many 2000 AD stories, but not this. Yeah, it's easy to forget, I think. Um, yeah. Like for, like we've we've done the first part, I I I I I know. And like I think the big thing was that I know Fox liked the opening parts 
Because there seems to be, like, it opens with a lot of, like, an air of mystery and, like, here's this interesting world and stuff like that. And, you know, all these business ladies in miniskirts and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Um, But the first one kind of ends with a whimper that's kind of, like, doesn't really pay off on a lot of those things. Yeah. And I just remember just being – and, like, I I was sort of through the whole time was kind of like, ah, like, I know this doesn't go anywhere. So, while there is some sort of – there's some interesting threads in this. It's just not worth getting 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 attached to. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed this. Strangely, this prologue it made mm. us want to go and read it. Um, so job done, I guess. Um, the artwork's magnificent. Oh Blood yeah, and King isn't easy. He's fabulous. Um, and I love the the washes that he uses in this, and the the washes in the background, and the inks in the foreground. Are, beautiful yeah um, definitely yeah Be- bellardinelli's never been the uh never been the sticking point of 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 moon runners i mean he does his his level best and is just sort of it's it's, it's just kind of the writing that 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 has some difficulties i think yeah the um <clears throat> he often gets criticized for his um human characters doesn't he in the very stiff looking mm-hmm. um and it, the the fashion sense is crazy in this as well, isn't it? Every, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Everybody's just wearing cut off shorts and bikinis. It's like beer watch. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it's very much like like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, or something like that. With like you know, <laughs> like look at this lady. Oh, but it's also serious. You know, like there's a lot going on. <laughs> she's a strong female character, but she's also got a tiny pair of shorts on <laughs> well yeah but you know she's also got long sleeves so it works out i guess or something like that you know i don't know the math i don't know how the math works <laughs> um i really enjoyed it there was one bit in particular that made us chuckle and i'm gonna have to lower the tone yet again um there's a, a page that's kind of a montage of when she meets johnny her husband mm-hmm. it talks about um this was our first dance and our first kiss <laughs> and then yeah. it's our first love, and he says, "They're standing behind that. <laughs> um, she's pulling his on his neck, and it. There's a, a famous thing over here, the Viz comic. Have you come across that at all? I don't think I'm familiar with that one. It's kind of a grown-up version of the Beano. It's it's very crude, mm-hmm. um, and it has a section called Up the Arse Corner, which is all. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> Pictures of uh, people, you know, would be like um, that Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Kate Winslet on the Titanic. That could be an up the arse corner. But it's always <laughs> pictures that don't quite look right. And when this said her first love and he's standing behind her. Oh, my. Uh, it was a definite up the arse corner, which the, <laughs> the, the English listeners will understand. <laughs> Fair enough, you guys. Um, Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so... This story is uh, uh, we see like uh, uh, narration boxes complaining about a hurt head and eyes open to see some winged um, alien beasts sort of swooping down on whoever's waking up. Uh, They've crawled from the wreckage of a crashed spaceship. We see the dead body of a pilot hanging out of the window of the ship, a would-be hot shot that made a piloting error. And then among the rocks, we see the survivor. It's Kara Nash, miniskirt and all. (laughs) Um, we learned that a uh, Captain Flynn won't come looking for her until morning, and then we flash back to them having an argument. It seems he wanted to straighten something out related to duty, 
and he's extremely light in the details, but it does involve Kara's deceased husband, Johnny. This leads to a further flashback, a flashback within a flashback, to Kara and Johnny meeting 18 years ago, falling in love, getting married in a very upper-class sci-fi kind of way. Um, they, 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 they had a daughter, but then Johnny got called up to fight in the Fortune Wars. And like you said, like um, – <laughs> There's some really great parts here, just like the uh, where the you know the 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 characters have very sharp Bellardinelli inks, but the backgrounds are these sort yep. of like light washes that um, sort of make things feel more immaterial, which is good for a flashback because makes it feel like you know you remember some parts, but other parts are, are a little bit more hazy. Um, seven years later, they get a message saying that Johnny's been Johnny's missing in action has been written off. Soon afterwards, Kara's mother died, leaving her a complex business to run. And we see the uh, the the funeral here with daughter Carol wearing uh, an outfit that that's very similar to a, what a JFK Jr. wore at his father's <laughs> funeral. I think it really reminds me of that. Um, and then this flat, and I should say that the, that this flashback is kind of weird because it alternates between third and first person narration. Like sort of, it was her first man. Then it left me to sort this stuff out, which is kind of a weird um, uh. way, way of telling a story, I guess. But <laughs> it seems recently Kara got word that Johnny was alive and wanted to see her. But Flynn refused. He wanted to talk to Johnny first. They had been comrades in the Fortune Wars, it seems. Um, he won't let her. And that's why and, – and, and Kara was pissed about it. So she flew out to see Johnny. But again, her ship crashed. And here we are. She's lost and in pain, but suddenly a shadowy figure appears. It's Flynn to rescue her. Huzzah! To be concluded in, in, in the 2080 <laughs> Weekly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, I read somewhere because I was desperately trying to do some research on this to, to try and jog my memory. <laughs> that it, it was likened to sort of um, Dallas and Dynasty of its time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got those corporate mac corporate machinations and things like that as well as just sort of yeah. general soap opera things very soap opery i like how she uh she inherits her mother's company and she does a, a boardroom meeting in a bra and <laughs> shorts i mean that's yeah that's just the style you know that's just sort of what how you do it in the future you know <laughs> i can't wait i want to do meetings in me bras <laughs> You gotta gotta get progressive, you know. Everybody, we spent so long thinking the future would be all like uh, silvery jumpsuits and stuff that no one thought to think like, no, listen, it's gonna be it's gonna be mini skirts and 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 bras with sleeves. Like that's that's the answer, you know. In the future, your belly button will always be visible. You know, that's just how it goes. Good because I haven't seen mine for years. <laughs> exactly. Listen, you gotta other people help you out with that, you know. <laughs> um yeah so like i say i was pleasantly surprised by this i was actually intrigued by by the end of it but maybe i'm falling under the same sort of um misapprehension that fox did of oh it's really quite intriguing and i'll be yeah i mean this is very it's it's very much kind of kind of a mood piece that ends in a cliffhanger so it's very it's 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 it's, it's kind of it's kind of designed to to draw you in i must say when i did my first uh prog slog it was very weird because the, i didn't have these specials so when it's the story picks up in 641 and she's just kind of mysteriously in a hospital bed it was very confusing so yeah <laughs> sort of, sort of the, the challenge of having these characters, you know, having actual plot stuff happen in the course of these specials, you know. Yeah. Um, which brings us nicely on, if that's okay. 
oh, to yes. Judge Corey because this was a phenomenal sort of story in terms of Anderson's development, and this was tucked away in this yeah yeah special that maybe lots of people will have missed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of uh, plot developments that happen exclusively in the specials. <laughs> yeah, thrill to Judge Corey. <laughs> So a uh, script about Alan Grant, art about Mick Austin, letting about Gordon Robson as kid. Uh, Mick Austin's just appeared in the Prague for the first time. Um, so this is probably a, a tryout Prague or, or, or a story or something like that. Um, it's also a little weird because as we're recording this, uh, Judge Corey's actually active and in the middle of the Helios storyline. So <laughs> it's very weird. The events of this happening while she's also helping uh, – uh, Judge Anderson with that with uh, that investigation. Um, so this story is called the Leviath called Leviathan's Farewell, and it opens with Judge Corey writing a note addressing it to Judge Anderson. She reflects on the futility of life and the special gifts that size, especially empaths, have, and then she uh, shoots herself in the head, which is crazy. <laughs> on the first page, as well. Yeah. Just, just nothing. Like, listen, um, we flash back uh, to that morning at the Melville at a Melville Heights, and of course, Herman Melville wrote Moby Dick, so it's sort of a reference here. Um, where Judge Corey shot a fleeing perp in the leg to get him to stop and answer some questions, and when he does, he calls her a bitch. I, a, a bitch, I noticed, which is kind of unusual verbiage for for Mega City One, I think. Um, yep. But suddenly, a low-pitched moan fills the air, drawing Corey in and sending her images of somewhere beautiful, cool, fluid, and sad. She gets the information from the perp about a, sh- a sugar-smuggling ring and then sends him to the cubes. <laughs> At the dock, she joins the uh, harbor patrol in catching the smugglers when she hears the sound again. And suddenly, a giant humpback whale breaches the surface, singing its sad whale song. And sending an em- em- an em- empathic message to Corey. She's okay, but the whale isn't. It's the very last humpback whale and is dying. But suddenly, the sugar smugglers appear and the judges blow them out of the water. But when they do, the judge's boat the judge's boat explodes as well. Oh no! <laughs> Corey, lost in the water, is saved by the last whale. It kind of surfaces with her sort of riding on top of it, basically. Um, she's eventually rescued, but her connection to the whale has altered her. All she sees is a sad, ugly, cruel world. She can't take it anymore. We see Anderson and another judge find her body and read her note. Don't grieve. I'm privileged. I heard the last giant sing. The end. Oh, <laughs> happy summer, kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this was the standout story for me. It was the one I was looking forward to revisiting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alan Grant is hands down the best Anderson writer we've ever had and will ever have. He really did sort of flesh Anderson's character out. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just brilliant. And I yeah, think at this, uh, when this appeared, I think Save the Wheel will have been quite a sort of popular topic in, uh, oh, in yeah, the it, new yeah, things. It, it, 89 feels like the real height for that sort of thing, I think. Like, we're very, it's very in, in the public consciousness, the, the, uh, environmentalism and sort of that being epitomized by sort yeah. of the, 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 the fate of the whales and things like that. Yeah. And Alan Grant, he's, 
his writing's just fabulous. Um, really powerfully written, I thought. Not not too schmaltzy. Um, and the repercussions from this story were were huge, um, which led to Anderson doing our own long walk. So. It's, yeah, it's no, a yeah, really the, important story. Yeah, it's definitely going to echo through. I definitely remember, yeah, like like, like specifically having Anderson sort of spend time. I mean, it, it, it it's not for a while yet, actually. I don't. It might not be for years or maybe even in like the magazine or something. But this definitely has a lasting impact on Anderson yeah. as, as the years go by. And she'll definitely yeah. sort of reflect and think about this a lot. It's kind of interesting then sort of warehoused away in this special so you don't really know about it. Um, if you aren't reading it, everything, basically. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I really enjoyed um, how the empath felt the the leg shot that you did to the perp, and I hadn't kind oh, yeah. of realized that, that an empath would physically feel the, the pain that they doled out. I thought that was really interesting. And Mick Austin was another fabulous artist um, who was dealt some really awful stories in his tenure on 2000 AD because his his artwork was brilliant his dread was perfect um and this i, I love it i love his line work i love um the, the black and whites are, are mm-hmm. great um the use of like white space in it is, is glorious and then that color spreads really beautiful it, it makes the wheels look very pretty and very sad it was a Great little story, this, and you're right, just hidden away in this sci-fi special. It seems like an odd choice, but I guess these sci-fi specials, if you, if you read, if you believe what Tharg said at the start, <laughs> I guess more people might have read these than than the prog, because I think it was something that the parents would pick up for those long summer mm-hmm. car journeys. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a move, I think, since... Um since Fleetway came uh, uh, took over, they've been sort of pushing to make these specials have a little bit more weight in them, to have prologues and extra features of sort of ongoing stories and stuff. I remember in, in the winter special, for instance, there's that's where like the prologue for Zenith Phase 3 is, for instance, or like that's where they're going to, you know, these specials are, are where they're sort of checking in on these sort of thrills as they as they go forward, but maybe don't have full space in the, in the prog for or something like that. Yeah. And it's not a bad marketing tool either, is it? <laughs> I mean, it is very much like, you know, here, check this, you know, here's a, uh, here's sort of a potted thing of just sort of, you know, because that's a, a very big thing. I mean, not this one, I guess, but men, most of the other stories very much end in a, um like, Hey, see this in the weekly progs, you know, like this is a, you know, yeah. like, like th- th- this character's stories continue in, in the weekly or something like that. Just to draw you in. Yeah. Um, one little detail that you might have missed. And, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm jumping through. I, I, I will say if you can get this story, I, I've sort of jumped through, but like you said, the way Grant writes it is really, Oh, it's, it's really sh- should be read on its own just because it's sort of it, you do really get a sense of, of of how sad and how affected Corey is by all this stuff. Yeah, it's great. Um, the Justice Department boat hits a mine. There's a oh, is that what it is? What, I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't clear on what actually blew it up. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that's that's how it blew up. So there was a couple of mines just 
conveniently floating ah. in the water in the corner of the, the colour splash. I think I missed it first time. Um, but that's that's what happened there. <laughs> but that was, um, yes, a brilliant story. And um, I know the Anderson stuff does come much later on, but she mentions Corey a lot. Yeah, definitely. And she's having her own doubts. Um, I always found the... Uh, the stories with Corey a bit strange because they were like going out on the on the piss and that weren't that they were going clubbing and dancing and yeah yeah that that's that the Hellio story we're, yeah. we're reading right now with with the art by David Roach yeah it's very um like it's 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 a very like especially at the start's very humanizing story of just like Anderson yeah. and and Corey's being sort of regular women sort of having regular lives as well as being judges or something which is sort of an in, you know something they'd never do for dread for instance you know yeah <laughs> so yes love this one yeah it's great and uh so let's move on to some uh, to some classic thrills now that we've had some new stuff Reach back into the archive with Thrill 3, The Amazing Maze Dumar, Part 1. <laughs> oh, now I was dreading reading this. <laughs> and I have to say, <laughs> again, I was really very pleasantly surprised. Um, in your, um, you've got a good knowledge of British culture of this time. A little um, bit. <laughs> did you ever come across a, a comedian called Kenny Everett? Ooh, the name sounds familiar, but I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. I tell you, you'll have seen him um, because he, he made a little cameo in the Terror Tubes um, first ever Nemesis. Story. Oh, he was the the the, the DJ. DJ. Yeah. Yes. So he was a DJ and a and a comedian, and he had a show on the BBC that was. Um, like a sketch show when he had characters and one of his characters was called Cupid Stunt, <laughs> which is, uh, which was an uh, American actress. And in every film that's, that she starred in, she would say, then all of a sudden, all my clothes fall off. He's <laughs> telling you the, uh, the thing, the, the plot of our, of our latest film. And this, was um, oh absolutely! Yeah. I'm just so Cupid stunt with this. It would be worth you having a little a little YouTube of, of Cupid stunt because I'll, I'll take a gander. I'm ready because he, he had a beard, so he was like this voluptuous woman <laughs> with a beard, and he used to always do this thing where he'd, he'd cross his legs, and this was pre Sharon Stone. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would always see it. it was all done in the best possible taste. And he would like cross his legs over, and you'd, you'd see his knickers. He was a a funny a funny man. But when I was reading this Maze du Moi, that's what it, it made us think of. So I'll let you do the synopsis. Yeah. Sorry, no, 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 no problem. Yeah. So script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Ian Gibson, Lego robot Steve Potter, classic thrill power live via satellite from the 2080 archive. <laughs> Um, every page of this that has that banner on the top of the page, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's because this special is actually pretty tall and um like like in terms of a, of a length and width, and so it's just sort of making up for the fact because this was originally in the very square earlier ish earlier progs, so they've just sort of sort of got some open space otherwise if they didn't have that. Um, this story first appeared in progs three sixty eight and three sixty nine, our episode one fourteen. Just a quick story from our old Meltdown meltdown Man buddy, Alan Hebden, with some fun art by Ian Gibson. In a Thrill Power Overload, Gibson says that this one was basically a trial run for Halo Jones. 
like basically a chant a uh uh like a dry run of just drawing a, a female character a bunch of times to make sure that he could do it well enough for the regular prog so it's sort of like you know like a warm-up of yeah <laughs> well if there's one thing that ian gibson can draw it's ladies absolutely yeah oh you know could this be an excuse for something else i don't know but uh <laughs> so lieutenant jebel claw arrives on a dump of an alien world to pick up a witness from some aliens and it turns out to be a sexy lady <laughs> Uh, apparently, she was originally naked in this in her reveal picture here, and the towel was added to her posterior by the censors. Ooh, those censors! Oh, <laughs> Once the lady Maze Dumar is uh, dressed, they head out. She's witnessed. She's a witness against someone called Gorgon von Klein, the richest being alive. <laughs> Once they're on the road, they are they're immediately attacked by assassins, which Maze handily takes out. They arrive at the spaceport, pile aboard their ship, and fly out. Which with Maze at the controls, she uh, Maze flies with incredible skill, dodging missiles and blasting into hyperspace. She really is amazing. <laughs> They discuss Van Klein's crimes, apparently killed 10 million colonists by terraforming a planet, while Maze takes a sexy shower. She's just in a towel when she sees a nuclear device aboard the ship. <laughs> they escape in a pod just in time and go to land on a mysterious, uncharted planet, again with Maze still, t still wearing a towel. Oh, man. <laughs> Fantastic. It's crazy, and and it's amazing how much story is packed in <laughs> into those six pages. It's very much every page could be like a prog of action if they really wanted yep. to, you know. It's like absolutely phenomenal because it's just constant car chases, dodging assassins, yeah. missiles flying <laughs> everywhere, like dog fights, all this stuff, like um, towels flying off. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, still, and yeah, in that still time for a shower, still time for like you know everything yeah. else. Like it's really, it's really trying to hit all the, uh, trying to hit all the rungs, you know, in this like kind of cheesecakey like uh, spy story, you know. Amazing, um, and Ian Gibson's artwork is phenomenal, isn't it? It's oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's so it's it's so great. Just yeah, the. Uh, like again, just how much is going on? Just all these different vehicles, all these different eight. Yep. Like there's, you know, even in just in this story, there's like four different kinds of aliens. We go from yep. like this, like weird, um, like biological city that looks like a big, like a bunch of big mushrooms or something, yep. to like a, a a cityscape, and then like to all these kind of like different spaceships flying around and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really amazing stuff. It's beautiful panel layouts. Everything is, it's, it's just great. And while the story is really cheesy and, um, <laughs> and, yeah, I uh, mean, Maze's clothes are dropping off every two seconds. It's, it's a really fun story. I, I was really, really Yeah, I mean, it. I feel like it, it kind of knows what it's doing here. Like, it's it's definitely, like, sort of in on the joke of what it's trying to be, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not trying to have a lot of pretense about being, like, 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 like sort of fancy or smart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it. And 
it is that classic 2008 of taking what would have been, you're right, six or seven episodes and just splatting them all into one. Yeah, def- yeah it's very incredibly fast-paced storytelling, which is very, really ridiculous, especially in the prog, too. I mean, this is just like a two-episode set that just sort of like blast, yeah. boom, boom, okay, we're out of here, you know? <laughs> and if it was, um, you know, with it being Ian's tryout to see if he could draw women, I think he'd, he'd pass the test. Oh, absolutely. Magnificently. Yeah, yeah it's an excellent yeah. job here, for sure. <laughs> but when I, when I was reading it, I was... Grinning and groaning at the same time. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> when she was in the shower and in a towel, and then I said, still in a towel. <laughs> and then it, and it gets worse. Yeah, she says, like, I've got to find some decent clothes. And then she's like, nope. Got <laughs> to blow up instead. We got to go. <laughs> but it's incredible to think about the audience of 2000 AD in those days as well. Like it really was squarely aimed at young boys. And yeah. I mean, this would have been, this came out in like what, like 80, I think, or 81. Yeah. Um, so very early days um, of the, uh, of the Prague or I forget. I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely when it was still very much aimed at like, at like where like an eight year old was part of the target audience, for instance. I think we sort of, we're moving away from that now as we get later into the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> but back then it definitely was like, yeah, like, like kids are supposed to read this, you know. <laughs> kind of I like it. And quite topical too. Like I wonder how much the, um, the next James Bond film will sort of ape this because uh, <laughs> going by the trailer, <laughs> we've got yeah our our female super spy who might show James up quite a lot. That, that made us think. Yeah, I mean, it is a funny thing just how how useless um, yeah. <laughs> Jebel Kane is or whatever. He's very much he's very much just along for the ride and yeah. there to there to just say the title that Maze is amazing. You know, yeah. like that's that's very much his job. <laughs> oh, but I was very happy because, as I said, I wasn't looking forward to reading this and. And I found myself whizzing through it and then going back through it to study the artwork, not the, the girly bits, but just sure. the. No, the, it's, it's, yeah, it's excellent Gibson stuff. I mean, this is really Gibson, yeah. like at sort of, you know, very, like an early Gibson at the height of his powers, I think, just really yeah. kind of just blasting out some really awesome stuff and just having these really busy, like j- j- just having a lot of stuff going on at once. It reminds me of some of those like early Robuster stories, for instance, as well. Yeah, There's just very, um, very Virtus, isn't it? Yeah, um, everything's just so detailed and, and, and yeah. ridiculous. Gibson was my favorite artist as a, as a boy. So when there was all the, the fights between um, Bolandor McMahon Dread, I always preferred Gibson's. I nice, loved his, yeah. uh, I, he, loved, I loved how he drew people. I loved how he used to animate Dredd's eagle. Right. So it was it was like a living part of his uniform. If he was looking to the left, the eagle would be looking to the left. If he was <laughs> like I used to love stuff like that. He was my favorite artist and then looking at this strip, I, you know, I can see why. Yeah, he's, really just, he's just come back recently to the progs that that, that that we're talking about and has really come back with this incredibly stylized style i i i think it came from his work on the uh, on the daily dreads i think just because you get these like pinups he does of like dread or anderson they've got 
these giant like wing shaped knee pads and shoulder pads and stuff that are just like incredible just how like um how overblown they are but are are, are really neat yep um i've got two commissions from from ian um and the, so as i said at the start of this his was the mm-hmm. first one i got um and it's me being arrested by dread it's very cliche <laughs> Um, but my favourite part of the entire image is my knees. <laughs> They're just Gibson knees, and I can't, I can't <laughs> describe any more than that. But but that's the, the bit that I look at the most. I look at Dred's knee pads, and I look at my knees. So there we go. <laughs> um, love his work. So love that. Excellent. Yeah, so I guess speaking of uh, of a uh, dangerous ladies doing stuff. <laughs> Let's go to Thrill 4, Tyranny Rex. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, scripter about John Smith, art about Dougie Braithwaite, letter about Mark King. Another, actually, last year, too, we had like a fair, we, we had a big part of, of Tyranny's backstory t- uh, take place in the special. Um, and it's something that I know led to tyranny being being increasingly confusing for me in the prog. So it's interesting to see some of these backstories here be explained. Still kind of confusing, but like I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very confusing. This was a again a character that I really wanted to like, and I love John Smith's writing. But my God, he can he can have you one minute and then have you totally confused the next. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So. Early work from Dougie Braithwaite here. He'll debut in the in, um, in the prog in our next episode. And yeah, just like last year, we're doing some tyranny backstory here in the pages of the special. To the sound of hammers hammering, a skeletal woman with a tail, tyranny's mother, comes through a door, burning and screaming as she dies horribly. <laughs> tyranny sees all of her family dying surrounded um, and surrounding the figure of a young man with a hammer and nails made of children's finger bones. <laughs> the one who doomed her race, her old beloved Ruff, who or Roof, who we met last uh, last special. And suddenly Tyranny wakes at a wakes with a start at the convent we saw her in at the end of the soft body story. Uh, this story itself is called Systems of Romance, which is also an album by the band Ultravox. Uh, uh, Roof is apparently still alive and Tyranny is heading out to meet him. She remembers that after he sold her people out to the scene shifters and were they were all killed, she tried to kill him by pushing him out of a hover car with a bomb around his neck. <laughs> but it seems he survived, which, you know, is ridiculous. Um <laughs> now that she's become a nun, she has a different goals in life and she wants Ruth to forgive her for what she did. At the Lazek Medical Institute, Tyranny is brought to Ruth and he's just a brain in a box. Oh, no. Uh, classic brain in a jar situation. Always love a brain in a jar, you know. Um, she's horrified by the state of him, but then jacks into the Matrix to talk to him. Um, she arrives in a synesthetic dreamscape apparently he's just been a brain in a jar for so long that he's sort of his senses are scrambled he's sort of forgotten what reality is really like (laughs) um she's like a virus in here strange defenses open up to try to stop her weird heads erupt from holes in the ground calling her names but also saying like she's here she's here it's a very sort of uh inception kind of feel just where someone enters enters a mind and the mind opens up defenses to stop them she summons a door and runs through it, 
and is confronted by Roof himself. He's got ultimate control here and proves it by suddenly making the pages change to color. Whoa, the power. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, after a brief musical interlude, they get down to brass tacks. Roof tur- um, Roof says he turned in Tyranny's people so he'd have money for them to have a fresh uh, start in life, <laughs> which seems weird. And Tyranny apologizes for trying to kill him. Her new faith has taught her that violence is wrong, no matter what. It seems they both still love each other, but Roof rejects all this. His current life is hell, and he says, if you really love me, then uh, you'll kill me, basically. Um but luckily, despite being sad about it, Tyranny doesn't give us a second mercy killing in this special and instead <laughs> just says she'll pray for Roof and walks away. <laughs> oh, hugs and prayers. Exactly. <laughs> well, this was an odd little one, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It's so weird. Like, I don't know. Um, it's interesting to check in on Tyranny at the convent, I guess. Like, yeah. But I don't know, like, it's just, um, as always, there's, I feel like with Tyranny Rex, we get these little pieces of her story, but not a lot of, like, connect, pieces, like, like things connecting those pieces. So, yeah. like, we know that, like, Tyranny ended soft bodies in a, in a convent, but we don't know anything about, like, her conversion or what made her do that, I guess. Um, and similarly, so, like, it, it, it makes it seem weird that she's sort of, had this big change and stuff. And mm. it, it, it doesn't feel super earned, I guess, is what I'm trying no. to say. <laughs> um, it's classic John Smith, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just being horrible, <laughs> but entertaining and confusing all at the same time. <laughs> absolutely. Um, the children, the bones of children's fingers for nails. What kind of mind... <laughs> thinks that up <laughs> it's very i mean I, yeah especially yeah the the opening of this is really great of just like yeah. her in this dream and seeing everyone die and melt away and things like yeah. that like it reminded me actually a um a, a little bit of like uh that that part in like terminator 2 where like uh she sees herself be killed by the nuke or something like that like it's yeah. kind of very and but but it's a very dreamlike state state and just these horrors that are only possible when you're dreaming that i think you know yeah it it draws you in but it's also like whoa like there's just a lot going on here and it's very very it's very heavy you know mm-hmm. um he's he's very good at writing dreamscapey kind of things isn't he absolutely and- I loved some of his, his descriptive work when he talked about clockwork grinds, gears meshing, and the smell of burning hair. <laughs> that off the back of nails out the children's fingers and things. Like it really, he's a magnificent horror writer. Um, if only it was a bit more <laughs> cohesive. Yeah. <laughs> I had to giggle at um, when she's in the rickshaw um, being taken to the uh, mm-hmm. the. The, the place and uh, what does she say it says the air's hot and sweaty filled with the six sweet smell of veal polyps grazing on the upper condoms Con- <laughs> <What>? condorms <laughs> <laughs> what's all that about <laughs> yeah no, that, if it, 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 it's, it's very much like this feels like a big thing he's got where he's just sort of like alright it's a sci-fi setting so we'll just sort of <laughs> just toss in some sci-fi words it'll be fine like, you know. <laughs> um it was a an odd little story it 
I've gone on record many times of saying that one of my least favourite things in comics um, is singing. And he managed yeah. to get some singing in the word. Had us gnashing me teeth. Yeah. Um, again, I really enjoyed it, despite being a little bit confused by it. I thought he suddenly just changed at the end as well. He seemed yeah. to get on quite nicely. He's got lousy chat-up lines, hasn't he? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I killed your entire race so that we had enough money in making you like. Yeah, that's very, it's very gift of the mag guy, I must say. Like, you know, like I cut off my hair to buy you a watch chain. Oh, I, I killed, I killed your, I killed your race to buy you these combs, you know. Um, and yeah, it just seems to, to one minute be asking for forgiveness. And then the next minute he's trying to kill Aaron. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess part of it's like, um. Part of it might of be it. just because he's been so he's so disconnected from things or something like that, but it, it's hard to tell. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then I thought she was an absolute shitbag at the end, where she, I thought she was going to pull the thing out of her neck mm-hmm. and stab it through the brain, but she's just left the power bugger. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I mean, I guess it's part of her like religious oh, beliefs now religious against belief. violence, but whatever, you know. <laughs> Oh, like, so it was um I miss the was, anarchy days of, of Tyranny Rex, I must say, when she was flying through murder whales and getting yeah. guys like, you know, like uh blowing things up for no reason and stuff like that. I feel like those were I I, I miss that time, you know. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> sad nun tyranny is just not as fun, you know. It's not as good as she yeah. <laughs> And she's aged badly in this one as well, hasn't she? I feel like, yeah, it's hard to tell what the era is. Like, she's very much kind of turned into a in, into a mom here. Or like, yeah. You know. <laughs> I think she's got a touch of the Andersons about her, hasn't she? Where one strip she looks in her 40s, the next she looks in her 20s, the next she looks in her 60s. Yeah, it's very so, much. Uh, touch she, of that, yeah. yeah. She'll definitely move around, <laughs> in, in a, depending on who's, on, who's, on who's drawing her, for sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the the use of color. I thought that was quite cleverly done. Yeah, it was neat to explain um, yeah. to to explain two color pages in the middle of it because when because he sort of shows up because Rube sort of shows up and says let there be color and they have their conversation. But then when she goes back to the real world, it goes back to black and white, sort yeah. of sort of a Wizard of Oz kind of thing. Yep, it was very good. Yeah. I like the, the color all the way back in Judge Corey too. That was uh, quite nice. Just that little colour spread we got. It was a good moment she, when she connected to the whales that that, that, yeah. that, that would be in colour for sure. Yeah, so my little notes I'd said at the start, there was a couple of instances where it was good use of colour in this. Definitely. Um, but that story, yes, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's excellent, yeah. Okay, so, well, let's go to more black and white stuff, I guess, with Thrill 5, The Amazing Maze Dumar Part 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maze, um, yeah. Go on. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Maze and Jebel arrive on an alien planet and are swiftly found by natives who loan Maze some clothes. Boo. Boo. <laughs> after she's been skinny dipping, of course. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Earth, Van Klein tries to have the planet she's on destroyed, but his customers want to know if she has told anybody else about um, how he killed all those people. 
Meanwhile, Maze confesses she's actually a special agent investigating Van Klein uh, as sort of a honeypot, and it seems like it's all over until their rescue ship is destroyed. It's destroyed by a Xanxi slave ship beaming them away. But it's actually not that bad because it proves that Van Klein was working with the Zangshi and even terrified that planet that he killed those people for to sell to them. Maze reveals she is a nerve gas capsule in her foot. <laughs> and once they get the confirmation from the Zangshi leader, she knocks them out and they head home. Uh, uh, now then, Jebel, let's get you out of that uniform. <laughs> it's time for some off-screen sexing. The end of Amazing Maze Dumar. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> um, I was really surprised that the um, the gas canister was under false skin and a foot, <laughs> judging by how sexy the rest of it's been. I thought it would have been at least under a boob or something. It was. Uh, <laughs> and did you see the size of the thing when they pull it out? Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's fairly large. Be walking on it, you know, like wow. So she, she must have had a hefty veruca on her on her foot. Oh my! Oh, gross. <laughs> Which makes her a little bit less sexy now. <laughs> yeah, you know this one. Yeah, this this one. Yeah, Maze Doom are not for the homosexuals out there for yeah. sure. <laughs> but uh, again, another fabulous part with just speeding along at, at a rate of knots, and loved how yes, she was skinny dipping by the end of the first page. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. in in another set of flimsy clothes in the second page, we'll we'll go from that amazing water and jungle planet to where Gibson does a beautiful future cityscape. Yeah, um, where the uh, the bad guy lives. That that was fabulous. Um, and then again, I groaned and giggled when they got on board the ship, and it was a. What was it? Hot box seven or something? Hot yeah. house ha- class seven hot house world. <laughs> I just thought, well, there's a close off again, but I was wrong. It was his close off. Yeah, it's a, that's the switch <laughs> for the finale. You know, really enjoyed it, despite myself. <laughs> yeah, I love the uh, like the the alien designs are real fun. These like big like yeah. lizard like squat lizard guys or these like kind of uh, like a native. Um, like like a like us like a forest animals and stuff yeah. like they're all just yeah again just good designs good art silly like yeah super like incredibly fast story just like listen we gotta we gotta keep it going we gotta you know there's no time to pause you know like they Very kind much of enjoyed. yeah they they kind of explain things but it's very much like ah oh, whatever like we're just kind of you know we just got to keep it moving we've got to get going. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would like to see Ms. Doomwalk come back and see what they could do with her today. I mean, she's yeah, she's an, she is an interesting character just because she's incredibly um, competent and just does everything yep. and just sort of dragging the, this dude along and like so so that I feel like it's very much a reverse James Bond where there's often like oh, you know. Yeah. Like often the Bond girl is just sort of hanging around to be sort of periodically like harassed by James Bond. You know that's very much uh, yep. very much Jebel's role in this one. In in this yep. one, you know, it's, it's, it's fabulous. I, I would love to see what they could do with it. I'd love to see if anybody could write a strip with that pace these days. 
Oh yeah, I mean, uh, it's a t- like it's a it's again a blistering pace of just like we said before. Like any page of this could easily be a prog of stuff, especially when yep. you start adding in backstory and other th- and like explanations and stuff like that. Where it's like, whoa, what? Whoa, okay, I guess. <laughs> Loves everything about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's good, like like classic one, I guess. Yep. But you know, after after that blistering pace. Let's let's slow things down a little bit <laughs> with Thrill Six Secrets of the Command Module. Oh. So after after a bunch of uh, you know new and archive thrills, a lot of action and stuff like that, we've we finally reached a rich vein of thriller of a filler in this um, in this special. Um, though this one does have some interesting art, but the big thing is that 2000 AD is a move from King's Rage. King's Reach Tower to somewhere in the Camden Triangle. So it's time for a new layout of the nerve center. Hey, we get a big old like like office with uh, with uh, diagrams and numbers and stuff like that. Um, we see some there's like scanning stations and artist desks, mail sorters, offices for Rockzilla and Tharg. And that takes us to the new droid command staff. Oh yeah! <laughs> and this section has robot caricatures of all the 2080 brass. Some we know, some that are new. There's a uh, Mac One, the Steve McManus droid, who's currently working on on Crisis. Uh, Bert, the Richard Burton droid, still the editor of 2000 AD. The Alan McKenzie droid, who uh, Mac Two, who is sub editor. Uh, de- art design droid Robin Cook, aka Robo Cook. And then a couple reviewers. There's a. Uh, uh, May Canics or Steve May, who writes the bits and vids columns, got a very Dalek kind of look here. Um, and John Brosnan or Bros One, who does the <laughs> does the movie column and write and is the writer for Night Zero. Um, we see the uh, the Barry Tomlinson droid, Atama Tomlinson, um, who is uh is uh doing some work for the annual and stuff. And then um, there's two droids I'm not as clear on. There's a Igroid, the PR bot, and uh. A, and a male assistant, uh, Cyb Odd, who are both, I believe, it's a female assistant. Oh my, yeah, I believe they're both actual people, but I, I couldn't figure out who they were in time for the for the show. Sadly, and I'm happy to hear who, if anybody knows. Then finally, there's a non droid and mostly fictional music reviewer, uh, Roxilla. <laughs> so it's I Gold kind, I think. I droid, and he wrote a few strips for the the prog he wrote the clown and he wrote um some hershey stuff oh right yeah of course um and the other one is audrey somebody and i think she was just kind of a pa mm-hmm. um i think she they used to yeah she used to be um referred to as the glamorous pa which <laughs> um which was some kind of in joke that i don't think we are all privy to um, which made us surprised when Roxilla was um, referred to as the glamorous PE in this. Um, yeah. Well, I, I feel yes. like, yeah, Roxilla's so weird because he's just like entirely fictional in a way for, as I understand it, for Alan, for, for Alan McKenzie to just kind of like talk about dance music in the pages of the of the prog and stuff <laughs> like that. Well, I read a less kind um thing of, about that where it was a way for him to get free records oh well um, of course yeah <laughs> um and possibly to get paid for writing articles so he was kind of getting paid twice 
very libelous and probably not true. <laughs> He's the one, but that, that's what I'd heard. I mean, hey, that's yeah. why you get, for, honestly, that's why you get into reviewing things. You know, yeah, someday, yeah. someday my ship's going to come in and I'm going to get some free, uh, free progs, but not yet. So, but someday, I, I swear. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is a, he is a DJ. Yeah. Uh, so what, that is a good way to get free records. <laughs> Hats off to him. You know, I mean, I can't. I I I I would never disrespect the hustle. You know, that's that's absolutely not not what I do for sure. <laughs> I think um, around the time of um, of these progs, I think there used to be adverts for um, t-shirts and merchandise that Cyborg used to be. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I we we, we, yes. we haven't gotten to those yet, but yeah, I remember those those ads with her in the in the in the 2080 t-shirt. Yes, so I think that's her. Ah, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I don't mind these little droid pieces. I, I quite like them. The I used to – my favorite part of, of the annuals and things used to be um, when the droids used to see their favorite covers of the year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, those um, are always so, fun. Yeah, so I don't mind little pieces like this. Um, but that nerve center is a bit scant, isn't it, there? It's, it's where's just one mech- – yeah, it's just yeah. one room. There's no mech quake. There's no like, mm. you know, it's it's a well. I mean, you know, like we all knew conditions were bad under under Fleetway. You <laughs> yeah. know, they've had to they've had to reduce a lot just you know because they're sort of not getting they're not being managed properly. It's sort of a cry for help, maybe or something like that. You know? <laughs> I love how um, disrespectful he is to all of his um, editorial stuff. Did make us chuckle a few times. Oh, absolutely. Listen, you know, Tharg. <laughs> Tharg doesn't care, you know. He's just sort of oh. here, you know. He's an alien. He doesn't. He's got a different sense of this stuff than than, than you and I might have. Yeah. <laughs> if you um, so many years later, when they moved to Oxford, um, we got a beautiful poster of the new nerve center there that had all of the droids from Droid Life all over it and stuff, and it was um, oh, excellent. It's a joy to behold, almost like a. A where's Wally or a where's what are you? What are you calling? Uh, w- uh, Waldo here in the states. Waldo, yeah. yeah, and it's almost like one of those posters. It's great. So it's a oh, bit excellent. of a difference to <laughs> to that. So something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> always, always looking forward to these later eras. You know. <laughs> but uh, speaking of out of control DJs, <laughs> oh, <laughs> bring oh. that back. Let's go to Thrill Seven Zippy Couriers. Uh, script about Hilary Robinson, art about Graham, Hib- Grant Hi- Graham Higgins, letting her about Gordon Robson as kid. So we're in the middle of the uh, of the Hilary Robinson re- uh, renaissance in the Prague, I think, um, where Medivac 318 is about to premiere. Um, and I think like 622 is the one where she has three stories in, in one Prague. So we're almost we're, – we're right at that gate. So it's interesting to see her get these color pages here uh, in the special as well. This, this is really her her high period in 2000 AD, the sort of 100 progs from 6 to 700. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, Zippy Courier's pilot, Shauna McCullough, accompanies her sister Moira and Moira's boyfriend, Genghis, to an end-of-term zero-gravity disco. It's quite loud. Everybody's flying around. They have to put on earmuffs just to survive the racket of the disco. 
Um, though Genghis doesn't wear them because he's like, you know, a jerk basically. Um, people have to communicate via gestures and body language. And Shauna strikes up a conversation with a guy named Tommy as some dudes with rifles fly into the disco. Oh, no. Oh, geez. <laughs> they try to get the band to stop playing but can't make themselves heard. So instead, they, they blast all the speakers and amplifiers. <laughs> this ends up flying around the room because of the lack of gravity as they sort of have some fun with that. A corporate cop gets called and almost gets shot as he entered. As he enters the uh, the disco, uh, Tommy ex- explains it there. The student protest group, Students Against Noise Pollution in Towns or Sandpit. Uh, the cop comes out. He threatens to and uh, and uh, defeats the terrorists by saying by, by threatening to cut their grant money. And they immediately throw down their weapons and come along quietly. And they're like, yes, of course we'll come along quietly. We hate sound. Like, you know, we never make make noise in our, in our, uh, you know, all our guns have silencers. Like, that's what we do, you know. Um, Shauna kind of agrees with them on principle. And that leads us to the punchline of this thing, which is that only students are allowed in the sand pit. Wah, wah. Oh. <laughs> oh, talk about ending on a whimper. You know, I mean, oh. <laughs> I, 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 I will say I do think it's I the the final joke is not good, but I do like the uh, the sandpit guys saying, of course, we'll come quietly. We're against all loud, vexatious noises, officer. <laughs> Even our guns have silencers. <laughs> like, I appreciate that commitment to a uh, yes. to a silenced um, terrorist group, you know, to a group against against noise, you know, yeah, <laughs> just reading this story when we've talked so much about how much was packed into all of the rest of the stories it took them nearly two pages to walk into the, the bloody yeah. place and sit down I mean, and this I was, is, it's very much got the feel of all zippy courier strips like uh higgins and 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 robinson love these big panels of sort of things slowly yeah. happening and things i mean it's very much a move in in the prog as well so this felt very sort of standard zippy couriers i guess for what that's worth but um yeah <laughs> um which sees it all i guess yeah i mean yeah it is it's definitely a big change from the rest of the special i think just because there's so many things in there that are either that that are both um either moving at a fast pace and also have these very emotional moments, I think. And this one's just sort of a, yeah. just, just, just sort of a jokey one. It's a big change yeah. from from tyranny, contemplating killing her old boyfriend, or Corey actually killing herself. You know, like yeah, it's absolute fluff. <laughs> just <laughs> dire. Even the um, at what point is sort of sign language or gestural language? Yeah. <laughs> a good idea in a comic it was just it was nuts so it took three pages for anything to happen and then i'm really pleased that you did the synopsis there because i didn't have a clue what was going on in the second half of this strip yeah they definitely like <laughs> it's a lot of like just sort of like action pictures and then sort of random th- seemingly random things happening that they don't really go out of their way to explain too much you know yeah <laughs> um so much so that I didn't even get the um 
of course, will come quietly gag because I think I'd, I'd kind of... Yeah. At that point, I was just wanting it to finish. So <laughs> I said that. I certainly did get the... Um, only students can play in the sand pit. And I thought, my God, <laughs> is that what it was building up? <laughs> yeah, this is... <laughs> and this, the student grant joke and all of that. Um, I think that there are little flashes of this... Um, of this special way, you can see that it's aimed at like students and mm-hmm. yeah, and it's a, it's sort of for crowd, yeah. yeah, and a slightly older audience. If just because of these like the, the those types of jokes and stuff like that, yeah, is a little different. <laughs> um, the art was quite nice. I like the uh, the cop. Yeah, it's, it's quite yeah. Dread-like. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's sort of an interesting thing because I don't know, like they, they – we do see a little bit of these um, like 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 flashes of like extra stuff in Zippy Couriers of like it being like the future and everything's privatized and stuff like that, I guess. So like, you know, yeah. like this guy's got – you know, he's – this uh, this future cop has like a, uh, a, a floaty belt that's from like the Nil Grav Corp and things like that, yeah. you know. Um <laughs> Like it sort of has these like you know these flashes of things like you know his like his like guns making all these like beeping and clicking noises we see it flying around at the end and stuff yeah. like that like there's definitely some I don't know th- there's some interesting stuff in here but yeah this one's very very light and fluffy in comparison <laughs> yep. to the rest of the stuff in the special I think <laughs> uh, but there we go and speaking uh, um but you know as opposed to being light and fluffy here's something you know let's move on to something that's a uh, dense and complex oh my god <laughs> thrill eight crime blitz oh. <laughs> speaking of things that we don't understand Ser- yeah an extremely complicated looking board game complete with counters and a board the Article explains that all the other judges are busy, so they couldn't have a final uh, Judge Dread comic here, including Judge Decker. Even she's busy. So <laughs> instead of a Dread strip, we're getting this game here. It's sort of a throwback to the earlier games that would appear in the pages of 2000 AD. Um, the rules are really hard for me to read here because I've got this <laughs> this font that's super wide so that <laughs> I just feel like it bounces off my brain a little bit or something like that. Like I try to read. It's like, oh, my God. But listen – this game, it apparently involves judges clearing out a city block and it's either cooperative or antagonistic. Like you can either all play as judges or some people can be perps as well. Um, as judges, it uses dice and playing cards. I, I'm, I'm not sure who the artist is for this. It kind of reminds me actually of a, of a Kev Hopgood from uh, Night Zero or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. So. Um, and yeah, anyway, this just brings me back to like that Cursed Earth game from the early stories of 2000 AD and that everything just seems very fiddly and complex and I'm not sure that I'd actually be able to like cut all this stuff out and use it no. in, the, uh, in the course of real life. It just seems like too much. <laughs> no, I'd rather not, thank you. Yeah. Um, I was losing the will to live, plowing through the rules. <laughs> it's just I tried to read them and I was like, listen, I'm not going to play this game. So I'm sort of I got a sense of it. And I was like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked um, some of the crims, some of the perps. Oh, yeah, there are some there are some fun ones. I mean, Ronnie, uh, Ron Nee Boggs, so <laughs> Ronnie Biggs, the 
famous train ah, robber. Ah, of course. Last <laughs> saw Lil Puce Puma and the TikTok yeah. Kid. Yes, the TikTok Kid made us chuckle because my own kid um, goes on this bloody thing, TikTok, on our oh, phone of course. all the time. Whereas, so she's a TikTok kid. So once again, 2000 AD sees the future. Oh, they're picking it up. <laughs> oh, my God. We should have known. <laughs> um, I wondered with the um, the sky surfing werewolf if they'd done a bit of um, cutting of Steve Dillon's work and putting it on a bit of Cam Kennedy's, but haven't Ooh. looked at it again. I don't think they have. It's just, I think you're right. It's cop good, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it doesn't quite look it. It doesn't quite look like the Steve Dillon um, werewolves just because it's wearing pants. And I believe that most of the, the cry of the werewolf werewolves were, in fact, naked. So, hey. All right. Yeah, picking it, it up. should be. <laughs> and I like that, um, the, uh, those... that the werewolf guy is a lawn, Cheney Jr. lawn, like uh, like the grass in front of your house, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you'd, I guess you would have to be very bored if, well... <laughs> When you did read your little sci-fi special on yeah. the week holidays, I guess you might have cut your your thing up when you got there and played this. No, this but is the th- this is the rainiest of rainy day activities. You know, this is like <laughs> when it's when you've got to the beach, but it's going to be like bucketing rain for like the rest of the week or something. It's like we got nothing. We got it. Okay, listen, we're gonna. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna destroy this. Um, this uh, Durham Red pinup, so we can get this board for this thing. All right, we just gotta yeah. do it. You know. <laughs> oh yes. Um, what's the the acronym on the internet? T T L D R. Too long. Yeah, too long. Read. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a game. Is... It's fine. Whatever. Move along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, this special ends with a very nice pinup of Durham Red in her mohawked glory on a throne of bones and skulls by Will Simpson. Good stuff here. Yeah. Big old gun. Excellent. Yep. You know, what you're looking for <laughs> with the Durham Red pinup. Absolutely. Oh, I love a good star scan. Not enough star scans these days. They do kind of they they do throw back to an earlier earlier period. I feel like where you're sort yeah. of where you want to see these people. It's you just gotta like you know, and where especially in 2000 AD, where often panels are very small and they don't have a big splash panel or something like that. So there isn't really a chance to kind of get a good full page picture of your favorite character or something like, or something. I think um, Durham and Miz Dumois might have the same tailor as well. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, they sort of. I'm sure they all buy from the central, um, like comic book lady, um, gum costume yeah. department. You know, heavy Carl on Ash as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, heavy on <laughs> heavy on thigh high, short on skirts, things like that. You know, um, but it's a beautifully bit of painted art. Absolutely. And with that, oh man, Pete Wells, we've completed the 1989 sci-fi special. Oh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a lot of ups and downs for sure, absolutely. But so now I have a question for you, which is, what were your top and bottom thrills of this special? Top thrill was uh, Judge Corey, though I'm amazed at how much I enjoyed Miss Dumois. <laughs> um, and bottom thrill, without a doubt, was Zippy Couriers. <laughs> 
Awesome. Yeah. I think... What about yourself, Conrad? What about yourself? Oh, man. I think I might actually agree with you. Um, this Judge Corey story was uh, really <laughs> emotional and really neat. And just like um, the connection to the whales and the, and stuff like that, like the art, it being a really sad, melancholy, like like story felt, re- felt re- re- really bold in the pages of the annual, I think. I think generally, like, I, I think it's the real standout from this one, especially also because of just how much it will echo through 2000 yeah. AD and be, and, you know, it's so important for sort of the story ongoing. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think um, Zippy Courier's really, like, stand, like, stands out kind of in a bad way from the rest of the stories yeah. in this one of just being sort of so light and taking and, like, um, being so spread out and stuff like that. So many of these stories. Even like Moonrunners and stuff had, um, you know, some emotional elements and kind of tried to pull at those heartstrings and stuff. And so yeah. for Zippy Couriers, just kind of be like light and punchlining and stuff. Um, and to tell it's, and to use a lot of pages to do it as well really makes it stand, really makes it sort of, you know, the lesser of the, uh, of all the thrills on, on, on par in this, uh, annual, you know, especially if you aren't counting like, crime blitz or the secrets of the nerve center or stuff like that those things we've sort of that i always mark off as saying listen we can't yep. these, <laughs> these, these are supposed to be filler it's not fair to judge them with the actual thrills you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah you hit the nail on the head it was a very nail heavy <laughs> prog this one wasn't it um you've hit the nail on the head with with those yes absolutely yeah excellent all right good choices and we've reached the end of our show. I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page. The Twitter where we're at spacespinner2k. Everything else will be spacespinner2000. You'll find us there. Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I uh, loved it. Happy to come on again. Okay, all right. I'll mark you down. Uh, where can we find you online if you'd like to be found? Um, if you go to um, sensorystoriespodcast.com, you'll see some of me, my nonsense. Oh, excellent. <laughs> you'll see that I'm in no position to um, <laughs> to criticize anybody else's work. <laughs> oh geez but that's awesome I'll, I'll i'll link to that um in the show notes as well so people can can, can find that awesome great uh, yeah f- f- fantastic so and, and please everyone come back next episode as judge anderson and Corey investigate helios the new church heads to stonehenge and strontium dog dread helps a broken down citizen and medevac 318 has some unfortunate interactions with alien wildlife <laughs> Un- <laughs> Until then, I'm Conrad, there, Pete, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Oh, ho! Splunk Dig